Welcome to the Project Life Mastery Podcast. I'm Stefan James, founder of ProjectLifeMastery.com, internet entrepreneur and life coach with a passion for living life to the fullest and fulfilling my potential as a human being. My purpose for this podcast is to be a powerful and passionate example of the unlimited possibilities that life offers for any of us that has the courage to commit ourselves to life mastery while sharing ideas, concepts, and strategies that can help you master every area of your life from your health, mindset, emotions, business, finances, relationships, and spirituality. Now, if you're someone like me that is hungry to take their life to the next level, then you're in the right place. Welcome and let's begin. Hey everyone, this is Stefan from ProjectLifeMastery.com and I'm here at SellerCon in Orlando, which is a live event put on by the amazing Selling Machine. And I'm being joined right now by Jeff Cohen, who has been in the e-commerce uh, side of business for over 15 years now. He's actually a partner and the CMO from Seller Labs, uh, which is uh, an amazing company that has uh, different tools for Amazon sellers. Uh, one of my favorite that you guys offer is Feedback Genius. Um, so if you guys, I think, have heard me share Feedback Genius before, I think it's an essential software and tool to have for your Amazon business. But we're just here to discuss the, the opportunity on Amazon in general. And I want to thank you for taking the time today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to share with your audience. Yeah, so what's, uh, what's your story? How did you get into you know, the whole Amazon e-commerce side and then getting into Seller Labs? Yeah, I kind of, I mean, I kind of got into this space on accident. Um, I was looking for a job and one of the companies that was hiring in the small little town that I lived in was a textbook wholesaler back in uh, the mid early 2000s. Um, and you know, when I started working for them, I ran their corporate advertising department, kind of a corporate day job. Um, we all remember back when we had those. Um, and you know, one of kind of the side hustles that we did with our extra inventory was we sold it on Amazon. So when I really trace like my roots of like selling on Amazon back, it goes back to like 2004, 2005. Um, and anyone that you met that goes that far back was involved in the book business. Yeah. Um, started an e-commerce operation for that company called textbooks.com. Um, built out a full-blown e-commerce uh, website um, that was, you know, multi-million, eight-figure eight-figure site of selling college textbooks. I always like to thank people for paying so much for their college textbooks because it helped us run our business. And after I left there, I went into the affiliate world, uh, ran a website called campusbooks.com. It was back in the day of price aggregation and um, price, you know, where they would aggregate prices of all the different sites. They were actually textbooks.com's biggest affiliate. And uh, I met a guy there who worked for us um, and after he left, he started going to USPS auctions. Um, and if you've never were involved in USPS auctions, what would happen was they would take all the stuff that fell off a truck, literally, not literally, figuratively, right? Uh, and it would end up in this warehouse in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and you'd walk into this warehouse and there were just boxes and boxes and boxes all over the place. And you'd just walk by and you'd look at the box and you'd say, okay, and then you'd go into an auction. They'd be like, lot 405. Um, and we started off buying books and buying textbooks. We had a 1,500, you know, in the basement, 1,500 square foot storage shed, 4,000 square foot warehouse, built it up to a 15,000 square foot warehouse. Um, with the 15,000 square foot warehouse, we were writing all of our own software. So in, back in 2011, 12, 13, there wasn't a lot of software in the space for the stuff that we were doing. 
So we built a lot of our own software and that's really where Feedback Genius was created. Um, we had a lot of people who were, we would list a book as torn cover. People would buy the book with a torn cover and then they would complain that it had a torn cover. Yeah. Um, so we we're like, well, well, maybe we could just send emails to people that bought really good books um, and then we can kind of reduce the bad and increase the good. And so that was how Feedback Genius was really created. Right. Uh, realized that we liked software more than we liked selling. Yeah. Kind of started to pivot our company. Yeah. So in 2000, actually in April of 2013, that's when like Feedback Genius became like a public tool in the space. Uh, and today we run four different tools. We work with 50,000 Amazon sellers. Um, we'll send over a million emails a day. Wow. Um, we'll manage over $10 million in Amazon advertising on our platform. Wow. Yeah, amazing. Now you've been uh, involved with Amazon in the early days. What have you seen change? Like how, obviously Amazon's huge now, um, but I guess you've been kind of a part of seeing that journey and that evolution. So what do you, what do you see as, um, I guess just the, the changes of Amazon over the last 10 or 15 years and what do you see as the opportunity with Amazon moving forward? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that, the biggest change over the last 10 to 15 years is that Amazon was a book site yep. and now it really is an everything store. And if you, uh, if you study Jeff Bezos and many of us who have been in this space for a long time, we've realized we have to study him because if we don't understand him, we don't understand where things are going. Uh, that was always his vision, yeah. right? Um, the biggest change that I think that's occurred in the last three years that affects most of the people who probably watch these type of videos is that um, Amazon was always created with a first-party side, the vendor central, and a third-party side, the seller central. Seller central was initially created really to be a reseller platform. Um, and so that's why if you talk to people that have even been in this business for five years, they probably started off doing arbitrage, yeah. online arbitrage, retail, well, I guess not online th yeah. five years ago, but retail arbitrage. And that platform is shifting. And so that's why most of the people you see getting and being successful in Amazon today or over the last year or over the next couple of years, it's around building a brand. Um, and, and the platform is shifting and it's becoming more agnostic for people that have followed it historically. Um, there used to be things you could only do on Vendor Central that you couldn't do on Seller Central or Seller Central. Well, now you can do almost everything on both platforms. And so for the opportunity hasn't changed. The, the opportunity in the space is still very large. Um, but what has changed is how you need to take advantage of the opportunity. And so I don't ever tell anybody that retail arbitrage is dead. Um, I don't tell anybody that online arbitrage is dead. It's definitely more difficult uh, than it was two years ago. Um, but private label, FBA, building a brand on Amazon, that is where this marketplace is going. Um, and the growth that we're seeing in the number of sellers, the number of sellers who are being successful uh, is growing. So Amazon released numbers back in 2016 that they had, and Amazon's always weird how they release numbers, right? So they said, we have over 100,000 sellers who sell over $100,000. Uh, it was the first time any of us had gotten numbers. Yeah. They came out with new numbers in 2017 and said it was 140,000. Right. So there is opportunity for growth. Yeah. 
Uh, there's opportunity for more people to have bigger businesses. It's just that what it takes to do that is different than what it was. Yeah, I mean, there's more opportunity. There's also more competition. I think it's all about how you approach it, the mindset, I guess, you have with it. Because another big opportunity right now is just the, the global and international um, side of things with Amazon. I mean, they're open up in Australia, you know, all over Europe and whatnot. So, do you, you know, what do you, what's what's kind of your mindset around that, around the, the competitive side? Because there's a lot of people they're fearful. They they see different products and they're intimidated by how many reviews that these other products have in this market or under this keyword. You know, what kind of mindset maybe for someone watching this that's just getting started, what, how should they think about starting their business today? Yeah, I think the easiest way to say it is the days of finding a product and just bringing it over and having success are gone. It's just, it's just not as easy to do. Um, you've got to come into this with the mentality of this being a long play. Um, and... And, you know, what FBA offers are all the things you just talked about. Um, I can find a product. I can work with the manufacturer to improve that product. I can build a brand around that product. And then I can stick it into this global system that will deliver it to all of my customers when acquisitions occur. That's pretty cool. But it requires that you actually have to bring products in that innovate, right? So there's a, there's a concept, of, I, I know you're familiar with it, maybe not all of your audience, called blue ocean. Um, and that you always want to be seeking a blue ocean. Um, you don't want to be doing what other people are doing. And so that's what you have to be looking for when you're, when you're looking for a product is, does this fit a blue ocean? Am I just being everything that everybody else is doing? And sometimes it's as simple as coming out with a color that nobody else has. Um, so it's not necessarily like you have to invent a brand new product. Um, but, you know, maybe there's a product that never came out in pink, but it's really good for females and there should be a pink version of it. So that, that could be your blue ocean. Um, but listen, there's going to be competition. And anyone who's out there trying to tell you that this is easy and there's no competition is, is lying to you. Uh, it's just a matter of how you attack that competition yeah. and the strategies that you use. Yeah. Now, I know you guys at Seller Labs have, I think, four different products. Um, I think you guys have one. What's the name of the one that's for key, the research one? Uh, scope. 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 Okay. So I know that's a really important part of, of this process is finding the right product, the right niche, keywords, whatever it might be, is being that you can get started. And yeah, there might be competition, but it might just give you the easiest path for success for you. What are, what are some tips that you guys, um, that you can offer for people that are in that phase right now that are just getting started, they're trying to find a product, maybe they're using something like Scope to, to help find the right product for them? So um, I'm going to say, if you've never selected a product before, um, just take action and select a product, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, so many people get stuck in what I call per, um, analysis paralysis, yeah. right? They're, they're looking at scope they're looking at jungle scout they're looking at viral launch they're looking at all these different tools that are out there and they're and they're literally debating over whose numbers are right yeah um and listen i'm not going to tell you that their numbers are right and mine are wrong or mine are right and they're wrong all of our numbers are relative based off of an algorithm that we're individually using they're all relative and so you have to look at whether you're using merchant words or jungle scout or or scope you have to look at that data as a piece of information that you're going to use to take your next step. It's not this end-all, be-all of, 
you know, I love the people who post online um, a screenshot from Scope and is like, this is my information, like, should I buy this product? Yeah. Well, there's so much more to it. Yeah. What do the reviews say? Can I improve the product? Um, have I contacted a manufacturer that can manufacture the product for less or a better quality than somebody else? And so you can't just get hung up on numbers. You have to look at this whole piece of it. Can I build a community yeah. around the product? Yeah. Because if I can build a community around the product, um, I know you're into fitness, right? Mm -hmm. If I can build a community around fitness, I can launch almost any fitness product that I want, yeah. no matter how competitive it is, because if I have a bunch of people who are following me because of fitness, and then I release um, a yoga mat, don't do yoga mats, <laughs> disclaimer, right? Yeah. Asterisk. Um, my audience is going to buy it because they're already following me. Yeah. So all of those things become intangible that, a, that even a tool can't give you the answer to. And ultimately, as a, as a seller on the platform, what you need to be looking for is kind of what, what, does, your, um, what does your criteria look like um, and don't try to follow somebody else's. Yeah, and I think looking at the bigger picture too, because I think a lot of people just look at it as, oh, I'm just going to sell this one product on Amazon, but they're not thinking about the brand, right? So it might be, uh, it might be a product that has low competition, some good demand for it and everything, but they're not thinking big enough picture to, am I going to launch more products under this brand that are going to complement that? Or am I going to build the website? Am I going to build my social media and actually right. turn it into something more than just a product? Because... I, you know, I think as you said, it, you know, if you're just kind of, there's, there's kind of the approach of I'm just going to put out a bunch of random right. products out there and sell them, but oftentimes that's not going to lead you to the most success versus picking the, the overall big picture of that brand that you want to build and then having the products fit underneath that brand. That goes back to the history we were talking about before, right? Three years ago, you could do that. Right. Three years ago, you could pick product A, product Z, and product F, um, and they didn't have to have any thing to them. But today, that doesn't work because you need external community and external traffic uh, to, to win on Amazon. Um, and I, I think you, you hit it on the head. If you're a first-time seller, don't get hung up on building the brand, the community, and all those other things because you add this massive amount of complexity uh, to what you're trying to do. But consider it when you're picking your product. Um, consider does this have a community of people that socialize around it um, that, you know, because I like to use tailgating. It's a great example. But like, let's say I have a, a, beer, a beer bottle opener. Um, I actually want to go after people who are into tailgating, build a community around tailgating, and then I can sell them my beer bottle opener. But if I actually am successful in building that community, there's 50 other product ideas I can come up with to sell to that community. Um, and then people think, well, if I'm doing that, why wouldn't I send them to my own website? Yeah. And the answer is, is that quite simply, what you want to do is you want to harness your own group to take the sales velocity and get rank on Amazon. Now, that might be confusing for people who are newer, but that's how you win on Amazon is through sales rank. And I love what you said, too, about the analysis paralysis. I'm going to touch on that because I know a lot of people they've maybe used Jungle Scout or Scope or one of these tools and they've done the research, but they still haven't gotten started. Yeah. And they're, they're almost waiting like, for all the numbers to be perfect. And it's, it's never really going to be perfect. No. At a certain point, you've just got to decide, this is the product that I'm going to pursue. And it might not be the one forever, 
It might just be the one that you just go through the learning curve with and make some money from. Like I know for myself and for Tatiana and most sellers, you know, that first product they started with isn't the one maybe they're doing today because they just maybe learned some things and then they realized, you know, there's another product out there with better profit margins or better potential, but they got started. You You want to touch on that? Well, it's a process you have to learn, right? Um, And so I I talked a little bit about this on stage earlier today, but it's like you have to identify a product. You have to find a manufacturer. You have to go through the inspection process. You have to, and I'm not trying to make it seem insurmountable. I'm just saying that there's a lot of steps of what you have to do. And so if you pick the right product the first time, um, you probably still aren't going to make money on it, right? I, I like to tell people to set a level expectation. Breaking even on your first purchase is a win. Yeah. Then you can decide whether you want to take that to the next level. Because you, you do all this analysis, you identify all this information, but then when you come in and you actually hit the market, the market might tell you something different. Um, the market might have changed in two months. And, but that shouldn't stop you. Like I know, that, I, know, I know that you can hear that and then you can be like, well, that's all the reasons why I don't want to do it. But sitting there and looking at the data for two months isn't going to help you either. You've got to get it in. You've got to experience the market. You have to understand how to do a shipping label for FBA, how to create an inbound shipment, right? Get all of that done. Then figure out what you did right, what you did wrong, and adjust and move forward. So it's not to say you're going to lose money. Um, but I think the, the reasonable expectation is, is that your first product isn't going to hit and make yeah. you a millionaire. Yeah. Uh, I want to transition to talking about uh, Feedback Genius and, and the follow-up process because I think you mentioned that was the first product that you guys had developed for your, your suite of tools that you guys have. Um, but I think that's such an important software because, you know, as you know and others might know, Amazon limits your ability to reach out to um, the customers and have that communication and whatnot. And the ability to get reviews is a very important part of selling on Amazon. Yep. And you guys have Feedback Genius, which helps sellers be able to do that. Do you want to share with people a little bit about the, the follow-up process and what Feedback Genius can do for people? Yeah, so I guess uh, quite simply what Feedback Genius can do is automate that follow-up process for you. Um, we tie directly into the Amazon buyer messaging system so that when actions occur on your account, we send messages as part of that follow-up sequence. So that's kind of the, the technical yeah. side of it. Um, how you do that successfully as a seller is, I think, the second part that you asked about. Um, it has gotten harder. Um, just like everything we talked about is more difficult to do today than it was. Uh, just like your parents had to walk uphill both ways to go to school, right? Um, what has happened in the Amazon ecosystem is that the value of the review has become more important. Yes. So while less messages are getting through to your customers, the ones that get through and give you the feedback becomes that much more important. And um, a lot of this has been caused by sellers themselves, right? We sent too many messages to people. We, uh, we had these incentivized review groups, and Amazon's trying to clean up the system, which explains why. Um, so what I tell people is this. Check your subject line. Um, if you read the subject line of your message and it's not something you would open, your customers won't open it. Um, second is tell your brand story. So it's about taking the story of your brand that you're trying to sell within your product or, or your group of products and bringing that into the story you're telling your customers. Um, three is you need to have a community outside of Amazon that you're conversing 
with your customers uh, because those are going to be the ones who become most loyal to you to leave those reviews. Um, and so you can't be solely dependent on Amazon and getting the reviews from Amazon. Um, and you're going to get less reviews, but those reviews are significantly more valuable. One last thing to add. When your customers give you reviews, listen to them. Um, so many sellers get reviews and they're like, oh, I got a one-star review. He said my product stinks. My product doesn't. Well, maybe your product stinks. <laughs> Yeah. Right? Like, listen to the reviews of what you're getting from people yeah. and use that as an opportunity to uh, prepare your product for reorder yeah. um, or find a new product or a way to innovate your product. Mm -hmm. um, I am shocked at how many sellers have been selling in this space for a long period of time and they just keep reordering the same product over and over and over again. And the best analogy I use for that is, um, you know, when I was younger, we used to shop at these things called department stores, right? Um, these, these big boxes that we'd go to. Um, anytime you walk into a retail operation, there's something new, yeah. right? Um, I don't go to the mall that often anymore. I don't think many people do. But when you go there, the store has something new. They have something new in the window. There's, the jeans don't fit the same way the jeans fit the last time. They've got a new cut. They've got a, a new uh, shade, right? The, everything's changing, evolving over time. Well, even if you have a garlic press, right? Something really simple like a garlic press, like think about how you need to be improving your product each time. Maybe you make it a little bit of a nicer package. Maybe you make it, maybe you add an extra little feature. Maybe you throw in a bonus piece to it. You have to be evolving your product, otherwise your product lifecycle shrinks dramatically. Yeah. And I'm just gonna touch on that point too. I think it's important to actually engage with your customers. If they leave a bad review, actually respond to it because you might have a review that was from two years ago and that one-star re review might not even be relevant. Maybe you've improved the product since then or maybe you can address that and that helps other customers that might see that to actually show that you care, that you're actually being proactive about improving it, the customer experience and whatnot. And maybe it's trying to make it right for that one customer because there's some cases where you can actually you know, fix that situation and maybe get rid of that one-star review or turn it into a five-star review. So there's a lot that you can do. I think it's an opportunity when you do get a bad review because it's valuable feedback that you can use, as you said, to make the product better. Well, and, and, the, and I'll add to that and say, um, under your product listing, you have a Q&A. Respond to the Q&A. Um, the easiest way to say it is like somebody comes up to you and says, oh, nice shirt. It's like looking at them and being like blank faced. You know, if somebody asks you a question, respond with an answer. If somebody leaves you a review and it's a positive review, just say thank you. Like that's all you have to do is just say thank you. It, it goes to demonstrate that you're a product, that you're a brand, that you communicate with your customers, that you care about your customers and all the other things. And I, I, I do completely agree with that. Mm. So for the follow-up process, um, so I know there's a few things that Feedback Genius can help you with and just the follow-up in general. One is the reviews. Yep. Um, I, you know, I, I, like in terms of maybe someone mapping out a sequence, um, you know, you can, with, with your guys' tool, you can send a, a follow-up, just thank you so much, just, you know, uh, yeah. before they actually get, receive the product, you can get um, seller feedback in your Seller Central right, so account, let's talk which is about, valuable. Let's talk sure. about that, because okay. Amazon's changing. Okay. Right? Um, in the seller community, when Amazon makes a change, what do we like to do? We like to freak out, right? And we don't always know like what the change is or why it happened. Um, Amazon has always had really defined rules around messaging buyers. They haven't always enforced those rules. 
Um, and so what we've seen lately is that Amazon is doing stricter enforcement of those rules. So they're not new rules, they're just enforcement of the rules. So what does Amazon say you can do and you can't do? Um, you're not supposed to do, let's talk about what you can't do, right? Um, at you, the time of this video. At the time of this video. <laughs> Actually, these have been what you can't yeah. do for okay. a long time, yeah. right? Um, you can't do any type of marketing or promotion. Yeah. Um, Outside of Amazon, or can you direct people back to Amazon? So you can direct people to your product, okay. but you, you're not even supposed to say, like, I sell shampoo, come buy my conditioner. Okay. Okay, so you're not supposed to do any promotion. Anything outside of your product that they bought from you. Correct. Okay. The conversation is supposed to be around the product that they purchased from you um, and you giving them some type of value. Uh, that's what Amazon's looking for. That's the easiest way. So no links to your website. Uh, no coupons for future purchases. Um, don't even try to be sneaky and put in a PDF that has a coupon on it, right? Amazon's catching on to all these things. The biggest thing that I think is kind of still up in the air is how many messages can you send to a customer? Um, we have been recommending to customers that unless there's a really good reason, get it down to one. Um, think about how many times you get emails for things that you buy. And are they actually adding value? So if you have a product that requires somebody to be home to sign for it, somebody to take it off of the doorstep because it's going to spoil if it sits outside, send a message before it arrives and tell them. Um, otherwise, message them after they get it. Provide them some level of value um, that's over and beyond what they were expecting and then ask them for a review. The, the days of the multi-email sequences are really ending um, you you just Amazon doesn't want their buyers getting five messages I bought a product the other day it was a firefly lights these little tiny lights um, I got five emails from the guy five emails for firefly lights I just even in my business of what I do I'm looking at it and going he was just really searching to yeah. try to give her their unnecessary emails for the most part right yeah and listen I think it's really simple. How many emails do you want to open? Um, what emails excite you to open? And again, if, if you're not a consumer of your own product that would react to what you're sending, then don't send it to other people. And is that mainly because if you send too many, it's the deliverability an issue? Uh, just getting those emails open from those customers? So Amazon has not come, Amazon, this, this is kind of debatable. Um, Amazon technically states that you can send a message to ask for a product review. You can send a message for seller feedback. So if you look at like the very strict terminology, it doesn't say you are limited to sending one message to your customer. Um, and so that's where it's still a little ambiguous and, and we don't like that in our world. Like we would rather Amazon just tell us, give it one, two, three, just give me a number and I'll follow the rules. But ultimately, that's kind of like where things are at today is that that part of it, there are parts that are not ambiguous, right? No marketing, no promotion, no coupons, no links. That's not. It's black and white in the, in the rules. Uh, the number of emails that you can send gets a little ambiguous as to, as to what's out there. That's why we're kind of saying, from a best practice, write a really good email and work on your subject line. Uh, so many people feel like if I can get five emails, then I'll get them to op I'll get them to open and I'll get them to reply. Work on that subject line because if that subject line is interesting, then they'll read the rest of your message. Mm. 
Is there any type of testing that you can do around that with Feedback Genius? Yeah, so Feedback Genius does have an A-B testing um, functionality where you can test your subject line and then you can look to see which one has a better open rate. Cool. And the main priority for using would be the review. The review, more important than seller feedback or probably almost anything else. I would almost say the main priority for using um, the main priority for using a tool like Feedback Genius is customer service. The byproduct of that is getting the review. I'll give you an example. Uh, we had a customer who was using our product and they, um, they started getting um, replies via email saying the expiration date on the product um, had passed. And what they realized was um, they had stickered all these products in December and they forgot to turn the year. So none of them were actually expired but they were all looking like they were expired because they were looking like they were a year old. They were able to quickly connect with Amazon, pull the inventory, have it relabeled, have it relisted before they ended up getting their account shut down for having defective inventory. Um, so I'd say customer service is, is, is your first line of offense um, with email messaging, and then the byproduct of that is the ability to get reviews. That's kind of the cherry on top. So I know you guys have two other tools, Ignite and what was the other? Quantify. Quantify. Do you mind sharing with people a little bit, little bit about those? Yeah, so Quantify is our data analytics tool. Um, it's going to give you kind of canned reports on how your products are doing. Um, and Ignite is our ad management platform tool. Uh, so Ignite is a tool that will do, uh, the, the way I like to describe it is, is if you are a hands-off Amazon advertiser and you want a tool to kind of go on autoplay for you for advertising, Ignite will do that. It builds recommendations. It makes bid changes. It uh, creates so that's all of the Amazon sponsored ads. Sponsored ads, headline search ads. Yeah. Very cool. Um, if you're a very data analytical guy, we let you drill deep down into your data. Um, right now, a lot of that data is stuff that you have to download from Amazon and then put into pivot tables. So we put that all into an actionable format for you where you can actually uh, take action directly in our system that's pushed to your account. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so I want to wrap up soon, but what, what general advice would you have for people that, let me ask you this, someone that is maybe brand new, just getting started, we covered yeah. a little bit about that, but just kind of any advice you'd have for those types, types of people, and then maybe also for those that have maybe been at this for a year or two, maybe they're more experienced, and they want to really scale up their Amazon business. Yeah, I think if you're brand new, um, I think it, what it comes down to is take action. I know it, it sounds so, so cliche, right? I mean, how many videos have you just said? You yeah, gotta just go do something. Um, that's what it comes down to. Like, this is a big, scary world. It's different, it's new, um, it's got opportunity, but you've gotta get in and try it to understand what it is and if it can be something for you. Um, I don't think it gets any more simple than that for somebody who's new. For somebody who's been in this for a long time, you really have to be focusing around brand. Um, Amazon came out in 2016 with some conferences in China that I was able to attend, um, really focused on the building of brands. Um, that theme has continued over the last two years. Um, we've seen that with Brand Registry 2.0. We've seen that with the gating of features that require Brand Registry 2.0, storefront and coupons and, and others. And that is where the agnostic feel of seller central and vendor central are going to merge. I don't know. I've always been calling it brand central. Yeah. Like that's the new hybrid of the two, right? But they've already shut down Vendor Express. So they're clearly going in this direction of you either sell your products to Amazon or you manage them yourself. There is no kind of hybrid um, like there used to be. 
Um, and if you're playing the long game and you're building successful brands, you're building a successful business that one day uh, will generate you a lot of profit or that you could sell. And we're, and we're seeing a lot of money come into the space of people buying brands. So it's happening. And how much is out of curiosity? I mean, I, I'm, people using your tools, I can imagine there's a lot more and more sellers getting into this. There's just yeah. the opportunity just continues to grow, right? So it's not slowing down. It's not going away. As long as Amazon is there and there's continuing to grow, there's always going to be that opportunity for people. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, we kind of, we talked about that off camera and then we were like, we should put this back <laughs> on camera. I do. I really do believe the opportunity on Amazon is still is still young. Um, it's it sounds weird to say, and and a lot of people have already jumped from this to something else. But the opportunity on Amazon is still young. I think the difference the difference is is that it requires you building a business. Um, it's it's not as much of a hobby as, and it, that's, as it used to be, and that's a good thing in a way because it gets rid of those that aren't really committed, and at least the barrier of entry is a little bit higher. So. It, it, you know, if you're actually willing to put in the work and commit yourself, you can get the results. If you're not, if you're looking for the shortcut or get rich quick, I mean, you're not going to last in it. Yeah, and, and that's what I like to say. I mean, I know you, I know you talk about courses and, and stuff in some of your other videos, and I think courses are a great way for people who are trying to figure this out. Um, and, but what I always say is, like, courses are structured content, right? So it's like you went to the library, but you don't even know where to start. What do you do? You go to the card catalog. I just dated myself, didn't I? Um, and, and, you, and you figure out like where you want to go. Well, that's what a course does is it puts it into structured content for you. As you become a more experienced seller, you start digesting your content in different ways from different medium, and you start kind of innovating on your own from the content you've digested. Um, and so, you know, there is no blueprint that works um, because you have to figure out what works for you. And so I'm not saying there's no blueprint that works, meaning like the courses that are out there don't work. They're actually really good and they're really good quality content, but you're what makes it work. And that's what I think people have to understand is that for this to be successful, it requires effort. It requires time. It requires some money, um, but it mainly requires you. And and, And if you have the ability to come in here and put effort into it, you'll get the reward out of it. Very cool. Cool. So if you guys want to learn more about Seller Labs, then go to projectlifemaster.com slash Seller Labs. And I'll have links below uh, in the description here to the different tools that we mentioned. But I want to say thank you so much for taking the time, Jeff. Uh, I learned a lot. I'm sure my audience did as well. And thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right. Take care, guys. Hey, I just want to say thanks again for watching this video. And if you want to get started to build your own online business on Amazon, then I'd love to give you some free video training that I put together that shares with you more about this process and more in-depth, step-by-step, how you can get started to build your own online business on Amazon to create whatever kind of internet lifestyle that you want for yourself. So to get access to this free video training, all you got to do is just go to www dot projectlifemastery.com slash fba okay projectlifemastery.com slash fba fba as in fulfillment by amazon and i'll also have a link uh, in the description of this video as well that you can click on head on over to that page all you got to do is just put in your name and your email address 
and then check your email inbox. And then right away, I'll send you uh, some valuable videos and resources to help you get started, learn more about this, and guide you in that right direction. And then you'll get uh, a few more emails from me uh, over the next few weeks. I just don't want to overwhelm you too much right away. Uh, But I'm not going to spam you or anything like that. I want to make sure that I provide some awesome, high-quality, free content that can help you build your own online business on Amazon. So thanks again for watching, and I'll talk to you again soon. Take care. Thanks for joining me today and listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or received any value, then I'd love for you to leave an honest review on iTunes and subscribe to the Project Life Mastery podcast for future episodes. And of course, to receive more content and value, make sure to find and follow me at www.projectlifemastery.com for more. Thanks again. Remember to always believe and commit your life to mastery. I look forward to talking to you again soon.